Welcome. It's the Filmmakers Podcast. This is the podcast where we talk filmmaking, from indie film to studio films, everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them, and how to try not to F it up in our very, very humble opinion. These get released to wherever you get your podcasts every Tuesday. Today, we're talking to well-respected and very talented filmmaker, Simon Rumley, whose feature films, Crowhurst and Fashionista, are out now. I am Giles Alderson, producer of Horror Comedy, A Serial Killer's Guide to Life, which is now nearly complete. Poppy and Stan have done a brilliant job on the edit, and we will tell you more about that when we get them back on the podcast to chat making that indie film. Uh, I'm also director of the vampire documentary World of Darkness, which is out now. You can watch that. And director and co-writer, along with Johnny Grant, who was on the podcast two weeks ago, of the psychological horror feature film The Dare which is so, so close to being complete. So close. Mid-August, I hope. Also, I am in prep for the vegan documentary with Dan Richardson and a new TV pilot called Not For Profit. And I am producing Marcus Harbin's new feature film, Cassette, which is casting this week and will be going into principal photography in August. Exciting times, yes. Sometimes... It does all happen at once, and you have to make hay while the sun's shining, that old saying. But it's true. And as much as it might be frightening to make a feature film or feel like you have too much on your plate, that you can't do it, you can do it. You can, I promise you. Surround yourself with the best people you can and go out there and make your film. Go out there and make it happen. Because as independent filmmakers, we all know, right, that finding money to get your film done can be pretty difficult. Sometimes you don't even know where to start. So our friends at Raindance were wondering, what if you could pack as much information about basic financing tools as you could in one class? Then they would do that, right? So that is what Movie Money is about. Movie Money. It's an evening class that outlines the basics of film finance. So if you actually want to get your dream project made, surround yourself with the best people. And then make sure you join Raindance on Tuesday the 7th of August, 6.30, at the Raindance Film Training Centre. And remember, because you listen to us, and because of our wonderful relationship with Raindance, you can get 20% off when booking with our exclusive discount code, RDPODCAST20. That's correct, RDPODCAST20. Write it down, go to the Raindance site, click on the link, or click on the link in the show notes, and you can get 20% off that. What filmmaker doesn't want that right now? I would be there if I wasn't in Sweden. I'm gutted. I'm not going to be there. I had to do it on that day. But that is life. And as I say, you have to make hay when it's sun is shining. Uh, so anyway, that link is in the show notes. Get involved in that. Our segment called the Indie Filmmaker Shoutouts. Yes, we want to support you all and you support us. The shoutouts this week are to Xavier Saavedra, who messaged me to give me a shoutout who messaged me to ask for a shout-out for his film Another Luna, which is on Kickstarter now. It's a short, magical realism film about Luna. She's an eight-year-old girl who struggles to connect with her mum, thus turning to a doll for affection. The link is in the show notes. Support Xavier if you can. Support him. Follow him on Twitter. Like, share, do what you can. Speaking of which, do keep spreading the word about this podcast. A really, really... We do appreciate those who have done that so far and passed it on to other filmmakers. We know you're doing this. If you're not, please do. Anyone who's interested in filmmaking, say, I like this podcast. It's all right, you know, you can learn bits from it. There's a couple of episodes you might dig. Do that, please. It it means the world to us. And we keep spreading the word and more people know about this podcast. And remember, if you've got anything to promote, then email me, DM us at FilmmakersPod or me at Giles Alderson. And we will give it that love it deserves. Right, subscribing time. Subscribe on iTunes if you haven't already. Do that now. Um, we're also part of the brilliant people at Popfix Network, and you can find us there. Other shows on the Popfix Network you might like include Fan Counters, uh, the Gravity Beard Podcast, Shaken Not Nerd, and Weird With You Podcast, to name a few. If you love your podcasts, get over to PodfixNetwork.com and get listening. Um, we're also on Spotify, Britpod scene, the usual places. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. You're obviously listening to this now, so you're obviously getting on where you get your podcasts. I'll tell your friends. <laughs> okay, so here we go. I was lucky enough to sit down with the legend, the wonderful filmmaker that is Simon Rumley. 
And I sat down with him at Just Voices Studios, which is our wonderful home for the Filmmakers Podcast. And they are amazing there. I promise you, if you want your voiceovers done, you want your ADR, or you want to do a podcast, contact them. Uh, it is justvoicesagency.com. They also run a, a voiceover agency. So if you need some brilliant guys or girls to do your voiceovers, contact them. So without further ado, here's my chat with the wonderful director Simon Rumley where we talk about how he made his latest feature films, Crowhurst and Fashionista. So in the words of waiters and waitresses all over the UK right now, which is slightly annoying, when you get your food, enjoy. But I mean it. Enjoy. So joining us today to talk about filmmaking is Simon Rumley. Hello. Hello. How you doing? All right? Very good. Very, very good. good. Very good. Now, Simon's feature film credits include Club Le Monde, uh, Strong Language, The Truth Game, The Living and the Dead, starring Roger Lloyd Pack, Red, White and Blue, which starred Noah Taylor, Mark Center and Amanda Fuller. Um, he's done segments in the features Little Death, which starred Tom Sawyer and Kate Braithwaite, a- the ABCs of Death, produced by Tim Leake, and 60 Seconds of Solitude in Year Zero. He directed Johnny Frank Garrett's The Last Word. Uh, feature film starring Sean Patrick Flannery, the recently released Fashionista and Crowhurst, which is based on the tragic real-life story of amateur sailor Donald Crowhurst. And very recently, he filmed Once Upon a Time in London starring Jeff Bell, Lee Gregory, Terry Stone, Kate Braithwaite again, Michael McKell and Jamie Foreman. It's quite some career, and we are delighted to welcome to the Filmmakers Podcast, Simon Rumley. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. It's a pleasure to have you, honestly. It's a great career. You've been you working much. for a long time. And this podcast is all about helping indie filmmakers get out there, start making films, carry on making films. And we want to support them in everything they do and they support us mm. and how they carry on in their careers. So let's start at the very beginning. How did it begin for you? You started out as a runner, is that correct? Yeah, I went to university, studied law. Um, I, mm. I, I didn't become a lawyer. Obviously. You started law? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, I, I didn't obviously become a lawyer. Um, I, I pretty much woke up when I was 19 or 20, literally one morning out of the blue, and I thought, ah, I, I think I'd quite like to become a film director. Um, <laughs> really? But yeah, yeah, I was literally like, it really was out of the blue. Um, and I thought, you know, back then, I mean, even now, that's it's not not the easiest job ever. Um, but sure. back back then, it was even kind of a crazier thing to to think and suggest. And so I, I finished my degree, and and I thought, well, if if I still feel that way at the end of the degree, then I'll I'll start trying to pursue it. So did finish my degree at the end of it. I thought, yeah, I still want to become a film director. Mm-hmm. I, I took a year off pretty much, um, and then I got a job as a runner in in in, in Molina, which is which is a post production yeah, facility. Yeah, production. Yeah, you know, facility, which has been yeah. there forever, pretty much. Mm. I worked there for a year, a year and a bit, and then I got a job as a production assistant and then production manager of uh, doing video in, in-flight entertainment films for British Airways and, wow. and and New Zealand and stuff like that. How was that? Were you selecting films? What were you doing there? No, I, I well, I was literally production assisting, production managing. So, so every every month there'd be a new. This was when you know back when in-flight entertainment was probably one or two channels rather than ah, a million. Yes, f- and you couldn't choices. stop them; they just played. They just played. Yes, so yeah, so there'd be someone like Selena Scott or Tony Slattery or Mariella Frostrop and mm-hmm. um, and and you know that 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 would with a, a program from Glasgow or from Windsor or from from the Cotswolds mm-hmm. and, and and the more exciting ones we went to Mexico I think for a couple of weeks okay. uh, to do something when when British Airways opened a route to Mexico so that's cool we 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 went to Euro Disney when nice. when when that just opened so, so it was it was and we went to, we spent a couple of weeks in Scotland St Andrews and stuff so um, yeah, initially I was production assistant, which I um, and and then I I worked my way up as such to production manager, which is organising organising those shoots. Wow. Um, but during that time, I was writing my own short films, directing my my own short films, editing them. Yeah. Um, and at some point, uh, after a couple or again after a couple of years. I enjoyed it, but it wasn't what I wanted to do. And, and, and there's, you know, obviously quite a massive difference between doing f- f- feature films and, and, and making essentially TV programs uh, for British Airways customers. So, yes. so at some point, um, I, I think it was, it's, it's, it's quite a close call between whether I, I got sacked or I, I decided to leave. <laughs> yeah, yeah but, I know what you mean. But, yeah. um, but, it, but that's, <laughs> that's, you know, I, I, I left. Yeah. And basically I started signing on, which, which back then, I mean, this is, this is yeah. the late nineties. So back then, okay. You know the, the signing on culture was was 
well, pretty prevalent when I was when I started. Um, certainly, by the time I f- finished signing on, it wasn't so. It was getting harder, but. Right. Um, and and during that, I think I did I did a short film, and then I I started writing features because I've always written my own material. Well, well, yeah, I've I've always written. So okay. as as a, as a director, it's easier to get stuff off the ground if, if at least you can write. Well, you own the rights for one thing. You you were, yeah. you don't have to get options out on things, and they elapse, and you're like, I've worked so hard on this for two years. Yeah, yeah. And now I don't own it anymore. Yeah, that's yeah. depressing. Whereas if you've written it yourself, yeah, you yeah, just have yeah. to be good at it, and that's the tough bit, right? It, 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 exactly, exactly. You, you start. And, and then, like like everything, you know, you show people, and people kind of give you ideas and or, or, or comments, and then you you take them on board or, or you don't. So, um, so that helped. And, and then, yeah, I, I I'd written a couple of scripts, and and then I think um, at some point one of them almost happened, but it didn't. Right. And at, at that stage, I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm kind of fed up. Well, I wasn't even fed up. I was just like, you know, actually, it's time for me to do my own feature. And, and I, I was very, I think I started when I was 28. So um, at, at that point, you know, this was again, the kind of heyday of of, of American Indies or, or, mm. or the last hurrah, as, as I read that I'd said in, in a recent interview, um, <laughs> where, when, you know, there was there was uh, Kevin Smith with Clarks and Robert Rodriguez with, um, with Mariachi. Yeah, and there was yeah. Slacker with Richard Link later. And, mm-hmm. and, and all these films had been done for pretty much much, you know, next to no money. You know, Robert, literally nothing. Literally, yeah, seven yeah, yeah. grand, wasn't it? He just he sold his body for it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, so that's what happened. And and, and my my granny had died at some point, and I I had I had like four thousand pounds. So I basically used four thousand pounds to finance my my own first feature, which was called Strong Language. Mm. Um, and and it took took a while to to well to shoot to do to finish, and then actually get distributed. But it it you know we started in. Um, kind of late. Well, I think it was ninety six, ninety seven, and and then and then it finally came out through the BFI in uh, my, uh, two thousand. Um, and and by that stage, I'd as I actually had then found someone else to to give me more money to do a, a very low budget second feature, um, mm-hmm. which we did, and that that also got released through uh, the BFI. Then at what was that well, was the Truth Game, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. And 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 those. You know, both those films came out, and and Strong Language, which was pretty much a unanimous kind of four star film. Um, mm, Truth which Game is was amazing. Yeah, no, it was it was fantastic. And then Truth Game was not not quite as well received, but still pretty good to be honest. And, and then I did Club Le Monde, which was frankly the, the toughest out of those three. Um, right. How come? What what's the reason? Um, I I had you know I had basically crew who didn't gel with me. Um, we we were doing literally ten shots a day, twelve shots a day, which is just you know uh, it was kind of heartbreaking, really. And mm. and uh, no one, I, I I couldn't really somehow galvanize anyone to do it any more than that. So they're just being slow. What was it? It was I kind of I, I put most of the blame on the cameraman because um, he was just he was lighting, then we're doing one take, then he was relighting, and 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 rather than. You know, doing stuff quickly. He, again, he would literally like t- two hours to set up one shot. Or something. What? That's that's insane. It, it is insane. It is insane. And I love. Um, was he on overtime? What the hell? That's just. In- I, he, he was just a you know someone I've I've happily never seen again. Yeah, I um, bet. <laughs> that's really frustrating as a director, especially your third movie, and it's a bigger movie, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. To yeah, have yeah. that, it's like that's infuriating. No, it, it was. It was, and, mm. and actually, you know, I, I've had a couple of. I, I've generally avoided bad experiences, but I've had a couple in in my career, as I'm sure everyone has, and 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 that was definitely one of the worst ones because it was it was just like it was just infuriating, and 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 so it meant that most of the scenes that we did were kind of wide, locked off shots, and it was in a in a nightclub, and it was meant to be a whole yeah. film with energy and stuff, and mm. and and so it just wasn't um, right. But you know, fr- from doing that, then one learns from one's mistakes, and, of course and, you and, do. and then suddenly understands the importance of. You know, and actually, I'd worked with two great DPs before that. And frankly, who I should have, frankly, just worked with again. But Brought on, but was someone telling you not to? Was someone telling you to use? I, I had someone else. Had, well, again, it was one of those cases. You know, we we had a distributor. We had some private money, some distribution money. Actually, Metrodome, who, who now went bust, and, and yeah. Metrodome were like, you know, we want this to be you know a bit bigger, a bit, a bit glossier than the other films, which is fine. Um, and then they got a, a slightly 
bigger producer on board. So he brought bigger people on board. Um, and at some point, Metrodome kind of left the project about a week before it was meant to start shooting. And, mm. th- and, then, and then maybe two or three weeks into the shoot, the producer left the project. Oh, Jesus. So, so, so the whole thing was just a mess really, yeah. from beginning to end. And, and, and you know, I, I was still left with, with the decisions that had been made kind of by other people for, for me and, and really just trying when, when, you know, in the end, it seemed like I was the only one who cared really. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, sometimes that is the case, but there, that's, that sounds really disappointing, but the film did well. I mean, the film got out and yeah, 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 did yeah. well. I mean, it's, it's, again, it's, it's, I, I, out of my films personally, it's probably one of my, it's definitely one of my, my, my two least favorites, but okay. it, it came out and, you know, some people liked it, some people didn't, and it, it certainly wasn't the the glorious reviews that, that the first couple of films were. But mm. you know, it, it did have some. You know, Empire called it like you know one of the best indies of British indies of the year, or, or some, something like that. And so, we love Empire here, so yeah, that's so, amazing you know, to get that review. Yeah, Jumping yeah. back then and talking about your first film, their strong language. How did it feel when you actually s- stepped on set for the first time as a feature film director? And you, you know, what was going through your mind? Had you planned everything? Well, well, well. The, the weird thing is. I, I've always been, and I think probably one of the reasons I've probably done as much as I have is I've been always very understanding of the limitations of of low budgets and and filmmaking, and and and, and again, I was very much inspired by Richard Linklater and Slacker, mm-hmm. which is basically a film where it's literally people talking to other people in Austin, and 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 yeah. people are literally walking across the street talking to people, and the camera follows someone else. So so that was that was you know eye opening really. Um, and and I thought, well, you know, I've got next really next to no money um, to do a whole film. What can I do? And and at that time, you know, that there hadn't really been any youth culture films. So it, what I did was I, I I contacted about seventeen actors who I'd auditioned for the previous film, which in the end blew, blew out. Right. So I went back to seventeen and said, look, you know, I've got this other idea. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no script, but I like you, um, and and I want to improvise something with you. We we are you up for it? And uh, you know, inevitably, everyone apart from I think one person said yes. Wow. Um, so 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 then so basically, all the film the film is a bunch of talking heads. Right. So it's literally you know, so it would be you know, for example, a a sound engineer, you know, or an editor, and mm-hmm. and we would we would film that editor's um, sound bites, looking straight to camera in in his edit suite. So so it wasn't like you know maybe. What more of a let's say in inverted commas normal film where there was you know there was first ads second ads thirds you mm-hmm. know runners drivers whatever that there was literally me a first ad cameraman soundman and an actor so there was generally like five or six yeah. people on set it's almost documentary style right it, it, it is completely yeah. yeah 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 and 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 three quarters let's say was interior but the the exterior we didn't have any extras or anything like that so and and the camera was generally um you know pretty static um okay. and i and i used the the script and the scenes to to create the, the kind of rhythm and 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 motion in in the actual film and you did that in the edit room i suppose most yes. of the time right yeah 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 and that came out did well and then obviously you went and made the truth game again pr- kind of much like my previous film got a lot of people to bring some of their own personalities in um i i would Tape, tape record some of what they well what they said. I would then go away and, and transcribe it. Then I would make a character from what they'd said. So, so again, both those films are partly written by me, but partly um, by the t- cast, taken from yeah. the cast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the the money was obviously a very low budget again, and this was. Just something that you'd managed to pick up from someone who said yes. Yeah, I'll well, that that was that was a weird one because, and and you know, th- this is this is why in the film industry, well, I guess like every, every everything really, you've just got to keep on doing stuff because you never know where that next contact is going to come from. Yeah, and and more often than not, frankly, most of the meetings I've had, the formal meetings I've had in offices, literally for the last twenty years, have been a waste of time. But but um, the parties I've been to. The, the um the, the the random things that have happened have been you know the festivals that I've been to have been the things that have actually you know facilitated something you know next happening and and so so this was we me and actually ironically the, the producer of Crowhurst who I, I knew back then um we were trying to get a film off the ground I think which I think was Club Le Monde and back then we, we were we were doing it through the um. The, the lottery scheme and, mm. and, and, and they had assessors. So an assessor came to talk to us. He, he loved strong language and he loved the script that we were trying to do. Okay. Um, in the end, 
we it, it didn't work for what for the the lottery but he contacted me and said look you know I, i've got a bunch you know i am actually a producer on you know, well, not on the side but the, i do this on the side because i'm a producer right. um and i have a bunch of um I, you know investors friends wh- whatever you call them who who um i i i think you know they might respond to you too and if if you're interested in doing something else for again a certain budget which at the time was like a hundred thousand pounds um you know that's me top and discuss it so so that's kind of what happened and, okay. and then the truth game was basically financed by I think in the end it was six different people and they each put in you know X amount of pounds right 20 um, grand each or something yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah well hopefully it made them money and it did well for them right yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah it yeah, did yeah, yeah. yeah that's great that's yeah. great so off the back of Club Le Monde and that actually quite disappointing time you took some time off uh, and then you came back with The Living and the Dead yeah which starred Roger Lloyd Pack which yep. is you know People still talk about this. It's a great film. Yeah, yeah, it's done yeah. really great, well. Yeah. Talk about the process of, of making that and actually, you know, solidly working with actors and making something you're proud of. Yeah, yeah. Well, so well, so basically, what happened was my my both my parents died within the space of six months, um, and I, as as an, as an only child, so that you know both came completely out of the blue. So so that kind of knocked me, of you know, for for side, you know, for six kind of thing, mm. um, and and. And as well as that, you know, I had, had a house to deal with and had to, you know, work out what to do with that and, and you know, the, the all the wills and, and all that kind of stuff. So that was that was a bit kind of, you know, crazy to say the least. Um, and, and certainly wasn't really in, in a, you know... Creative cre- headspace. Yeah, 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 yeah. Career wasn't yeah. my thing at all at that point. So um, how The Living the Dead came about is that my... Um, my aunt was well, my mum's sister was looking after my my mum and and she was you know in, under stress and and uh drink, drinking a bit and smoking a bit and and she had sciatica as well and and i remember being in in, in my mum's living room at the time and just looking at my mum and and my auntie and just thinking you know i i'm the living in in the home of the dead mm. and i thought hey that's that's an interesting idea for a you know t- title for a film and and then so i actually tried writing when when my mum was dying and i i managed about 10 pages but wow but it, frankly yeah, i couldn't couldn't really finish it uh, yeah. or you know just didn't have the, the mental concentration um and at some point i th- i think at the at the end of that year which i guess was 2002 then i um i well the, the i think the year after then then i was like okay I've, you know i've got to get back to normal you know some kind of you know normality and stuff mm-hmm. um so then i think i rewrote it um well when i finished it I, I then I, I again randomly met Nico Hagen um, through a friend at, at BAFTA, and and again and yeah you know again something I wasn't going to go to. My friend said, "Yeah, just come along." Um, my friend Tom Waller actually, who's a, who's a uh, um, director at the time, and then he moved to Thailand and he ended up producing um, the, the Mechanic Three and stuff like that. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. So it's it's all kind of weird how interrelated it is. It is. But I met yeah. Nick and I said, "Hey, actually, I've got this thing," and he said, "Hey, I sent it to me." So he read it and said, "Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I'll, you know, I'm I'm up for doing it." So we then sent that to a few people, and and then we got some money to do a pilot through the again through the lottery. Mm-hmm. But that didn't work out because they didn't really get what it was doing. So that was for something else. Um, and then we had a meeting with this and, and that didn't work out because, well, because we, we, we in the end took it away from them because they, they were just arguing about what the film was about and, and how it should be. And mm. me and, me and Nick were sitting there going, hang on, we're, we're the ones making it. Exactly. This is our film. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, so then we didn't pursue that. And, and then again, another random encounter I met, um, I was at Berlin and I was at the British, some kind of British, film party and um, I met a German producer called Karl Schoenfeld who lived in England, mm-hmm. uh, well London and and then he was just st- starting something with Raindance with Elliot Grove Yeah, with Elliot Grove, great Yeah, 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 and, and Karl had seen my first three films and loved them, so he was like well I'd love to work with you. That's you know? super, that's how that's nice isn't it, that if someone has seen your work and goes yes I want to work with you. No, it, 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 Brilliant. it is it is, it is. Mm, yeah, so nice um, no, no, it was fantastic actually. So yeah, so, so then we went to Carl and he was like, I love this. And and then from there, Elliot, you know, started pulling a few people in and did a few rewrites. And in the end, in the end, I have to say it was, it was Elliot that, that he, he knew some Indians who wanted to get into the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd just done a, a short film with Greta Skarki. So everyone was quite excited by that. Okay. And, 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 and the, the script, which I had, I didn't write, had won some kind of new, 
British short screenplay competition thing, and and the, and the film then won best film at Sit Jazz, which is which is like the world's biggest genre. Yeah, kind of my festival. World of Darkness was there this year. A great, yeah, 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 yeah it's yeah. a great festival. Yeah, 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 no, it's an amazing festival. And so, so yeah, so you know, and then it all came from there, and, and then in the end, the, these Indians um, basically financed the film, um, right. the, the Living of the Dead. But yeah, again, completely random. Yeah. Totally around, and the film's done incredibly well. It's one; it did forty festivals. Yep. described as variety is near brilliant. Yes, yes, uh, that's always nice. Yep. It, it won almost twenty five awards, including best film, best director, best actor, best makeup, at the Austin's Fantastic Fest as yep. well. Yeah, yep, I mean, yep. it, it's it's great. And then from there, you you were like, look, I'm on a kind of a roll here. I'm doing yep. well. And you you went to do Red, White, and Blue, which starred Noah Taylor. Yes. Yep. Um, how was the process behind that? Because it premiered in Rotterdam. Um, it's a darker side of humanity with bone chilling results is yes, sort of what it yeah, said yeah, so yeah. yeah again something you'd written yes absolutely so so basically i don't know how other people find it interesting but i i find it endlessly fascinating so so with the living the dead i i it, it, that also premiered in rotterdam mm. did a lot of festivals and and i pretty much spent certainly i'd say 18 months kind of doing the festival circuit because i you know I, I didn't well my, my parents had died i didn't have a family frankly didn't have any real responsibilities i'd, I'd done this film that, that kept getting invited around the world so i, I went everywhere from Argentina to Korea to South Africa to America to all over Europe and, to, to, and 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 you know at other people's expenses. So so I was like, well, I, I don't know if I'm ever going to get this chance again. Sure. So I as as much as I could, I, I went to most of these festivals. Wow. Um, and, and did you find them useful? Was it a well, good so, experience? Yeah, no. I mean, like you know, they're all you go to a festival. You go to parties, you get drunk, you meet people. I mean, you watch, you watch films. <laughs> yeah, um, try not to watch your one again, isn't it? It's like, yeah, I've seen it now, can I? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I'll yeah, introduce yeah. it, but... <laughs> well, no, exactly. I, I, I generally don't watch my films after, yeah. after I've done it. Sure. So, um, so you know, is, is it useful? You're never really quite sure. Um, but, but that said, you know, so I went to Austin for Fantastic Fest mm-hmm. um, and... Sweat and, the board. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, and, and and ended up well living, well staying with Tim Tim League um, and his wife Carrie. And yep. so and so Tim Tim League is he's a producer. Well, he's a producer, and, and he also owns a bunch of cinemas in, in America called the Alamo Draft House. And and yeah. so, so he he set up Fantastic Fest. He owns now like I don't know forty odd cinemas in America. He's a producer. He's an all round amazingly great guy, and and and. Um, and he lives in Austin, and and so, I, I for a while I, I knew that I I wanted to kind of try America in terms of filmmaking, mm-hmm. that and and I felt that England, I, I felt at that point that after the Living the Dead, you know, I I'd done what I wanted to do in England, and yeah. and 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 I don't think English filmmaking is terribly edgy, and I, I don't think the people who finance English films or or, or distribute them are terribly edgy, um, and I just I just felt there was more interesting stuff. As as a, as a general rule, going on in America, yeah, um, and and I, I guess I was still keen to do you know slightly more edgy films. So 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 I w- always wanted to shoot a film in America, but I guess like most English directors, probably. Um, and and at some point, you know, when you do meet people on the festival circuit, you gen if if you if you get on, you generally tend to become friends quite quickly because again, you're getting drunk, you're hungover, you watch films, you, you eat, you know, you do the same yeah, thing. You see the same people in the bars, you chat to them, yeah, yeah, you yeah, 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 nice. And 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 so and and also I think. You know, I, I remember. You know, so I, I'd spent some time with with Tim in his in his family house. Then then we were in Korea together. So you know, we were doing karaoke. <laughs> then we were in Cannes together. And I think at some and I think we'd been somewhere else. And and at some point, I was like, look, you know, I'm thinking of um, doing a film in Austin um, or in America. Um, if if I shot it in Austin, you know, would you be interested in being the exact producer? Nice. And, and he said, well, that there's, he said, like, I'm not going to give you any money. And I was like, like, I, you know, I, I don't, I'm not asking for any money at all. I just need, need someone who I can trust. Um, and if, if we're having problems or we're, we're lacking some kind of resource other than financial, you know, it's someone we can go to and say, can you help us out? So mm-hmm. he was like, yeah, of course. Um, so, so once he said that, then, then I was like, okay, I, I had this idea for red, white and blue, um, which, which came from my, fear of of the, the the negative consequences of one night stands um mm-hmm. and and um 
and and the and, the, and, the, and the, again the, the guy who who'd financed the truth game and club of mons he's someone again every so often he he had some money again through little consortiums here and there uh-huh. so i wrote to he liked to tim liked to um and again I, I think i did a few drafts and and what became red white and blue and you know the, the rest is history that's nice and how was it actually directing someone like noah were you hands-on how's your approach with directing actors generally i um i, I think i'm pretty hands-on i mean i mean i i like to meet up with all actors if possible but suddenly you know the the, the the, the the actors with the, with the bigger parts, yes. Uh, but but generally everyone, and really, you know, I I go, I sit down with them and literally go through the whole script and just say, you know, you know, how do you, you know, just make sure that they understand everything. Mm-hmm. We're both on the same page in in terms of you know character motivation and what the character's doing and why they're doing it. Which, frankly, I I think there's been very few times that I've sat down with an actor and and we've been like, you know, at, just in, at you know, with at yeah. Odds. yeah yeah yeah. Um, so, you know, and and at some time, very quickly, you you forget that it's like, hey, it's Noah Taylor or it's Greta Skocky. Of course, you do. Yeah, you, you're, yeah. you're just like, you know, hey, amazing. And 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 you know, some <laughs> of these actors, not not Noah, but but certainly some actors, you, you can see that if if they're not having a good time, that they can go, you know, they they can get difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly not, you know, no, no, I never had that with a Noah at all. But you know, some of them, some actors, you've got to be a bit more careful with than others. You know, most people are doing certainly more indie films. They're doing that because they they love the script and, and they love the concept of indie mm-hmm. films and and you know and they're not doing it for money so yeah what are the different approaches then for you between like say you had to approach someone a certain way did you get that feeling straight away sort of like okay well look they're going to need a little bit more attention or they're they've already got the part of this one you know yeah i mean some, some, you can be i mean as i said mm-hmm. i have to say i touch with i've i've generally had there's a couple of actors i um i I certainly wouldn't work with again, but I'd say the majority of actors I've worked with, you know, I'd, I'd like to think I've got on really well, and mm. I think they've all done a great job, and you know, been a pleasure working them, and That's and you great. know, and, and I try to, whether it's actors or whether it's you know, DPs or editors, you know, I try to work with people again if if I can, yeah, you know, so Kate Braithwaite, for example, you yeah. mentioned she is in um. She was in a short film I did called Bitch, and then yeah, for the ABCs of Death, right? Was that, uh, for, that, no, that was, Little Death? Little Death, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and then and, and she's in the new one, and then she's in yeah, yeah, she's in Once Upon a Time in London, and and again, you know, both very much by dint of fate. But again, she, she was you know wasn't someone I so much kept in touch with, but did a great job on on the first one, and and I and, and you know had to have someone who you could hold their own with Leo Gregory which mm-hmm. isn't isn't easy because he's, he's a pretty you know strong intense presence mm-hmm. um and and uh but I felt she could and uh right. indeed she 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 she, she did she yeah we yeah. I, I know her from years ago we did some sort of show together years ago yeah, yeah yeah she's produced as well herself she's made stuff yeah no, she, she's an excellent actress I, I I can really hope that once upon a time you know you know in, it does something positive for her career because mm-hmm. she's she's again she's she's really strong to us yeah yeah it's really good um, and then you made Little Deaths and then ABCs yep. of Death. You, yep. you did bits in those. How was it working on horror? Because maybe horror is not something you've done up to that point, and suddenly now these are well, full on horrors. There's a there's an emotional re- release in in horror and and scary films, which which is all, at times almost like you know you want to laugh because it, it's only when the films are really good. Of course, um, yeah. Yeah, you get that feeling where oh, I, I, I kind of need to laugh. You also yeah, need yes. to laugh as well, yes. don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting what you said there about your films being all of them are quite. Uh, they have that horror element, but like you say, it's not horror where it's jump scare or it's someone with a knife running out. It's it's what everyday people do. Yeah. When it just something snaps, something yes. clicks yeah. and changes. Fashionista is a perfect example, which we'll get yes. to in a second. Yeah. I just want to before we get there, we talk about the last word yes. because the last word is just sort of Hollywood film, if you like. Yeah. Um, Johnny Frank Garrett's last word. Yeah. yeah, Johnny Frank Garrett's last word. Yes, absolutely. Which is, you know, about the guy who was executed in Texas in '92 for rape and murder. Um, yeah, and and obviously he deaths involved there and and murder in there. Um, and that was producer Frank Mancuso, which yes. who did Species Roaming Internal Affairs. Yeah. How was it then jumping from? sort of the indie film level, making stuff in Austin, making them doing ABCs of death and bits and pieces here to suddenly going, right, cool, here's my nice yeah, big Hollywood yeah. movie. What was the jump there? Um, it was, in reality, probably the worst film experience of my life. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, go yeah. on, tell us. Tell us well, I, I mean, basically, we, we shot a script which, frankly, was not ready. Um, ah. 
And was this your script? No, no. no okay. I, I well, says and, and, well, yeah. So, so I was allowed. I, I did. I wrote a version of it which the producers didn't like, um, and then, and then, and then the producers at that time. We had some some really great distributors on board who I think at that point had distributed Insidious, Drive, The Evil Dead, and Looper. So they were like mm. like the wow. coolest. Yeah, yeah, cool as hell. So, yeah, 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 yeah. So I got this job. I was like, oh my god! And, and you know, they were talking about releasing the film on literally three thousand prints and stuff. So I was before like, before you'd even made it, yeah, yeah, you know, on the script before we'd made it. Wow. Yeah, yeah, no, no. <laughs> so at, at the point, it was, you know, I was like, oh my god, this, this, you know, this, this is, is you. this is the break. This, yeah. This know, is, how I, did you get it? How did you get the actual? Um, I have a manager. Well, I, I at the time I had an agent and a manager. I've, I since sacked my agent, but I, I, um, <laughs> I, I still had a manager. And I think the production company were talking to him, and he said, "Oh, actually, you should try Simon." So I read it and mm-hmm. I watched the documentary and, and liked it. So then I spoke to them and yep. kind of pitched my ideas, and, and they they loved them straight away. And really, after that, they that was it. They, they didn't go with anyone else. Right. So um, so all this was done over the phone, which again, you know, never happened before. So I, I literally got the, f- yeah. the the job on off of three phone interviews. Wow. Um, so they're not met you in person. No, That's kind no. of incredible. No Skype at that point either. No, no, no. Yeah, exactly. yeah, so it's literal phone calls. So yeah, yeah. So it's it costing a fortune, but worth it. It, it, it was, it was. And, and, and one of them I was in, um, I was actually skiing at the time in uh, Zermatt, actually. Um, so, so my, my holiday was a bit like, I was just kind of constantly doing research for this phone call, like three quarters of the way through my holiday. I, I won't go as far as saying ruin the holiday, but it did, you know, put a different, you know, tent on it, really. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, so I, I got the job and, and then at some point, you know, I, they, they flew me over to LA and, and I had, had an office on Radio Drive. And, wow. and um, yeah, living the dream. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. It, it, but, it, it, but, go on. But, but, <laughs> but the dream shattered. Um, at some point, you know, the, the script wasn't ready. Um, the, the producer then fell out with the distributors. Really, um, well, they, they, you know, they, they remained friends, but the, 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 they couldn't agree about the script. So, the, so Frank was like, "Well, we're going to shoot it anyway." And they're like, "Okay, well, fine. Um, you know, show us when you finish." Mm. So then we we, sh- we shot it, even though, frankly, I, I didn't think it was ready. But it was either you know, if I'd said no. Um, I didn't even see the final script until I started pre-production. So, so, so wow. by the time I'd actually got to America and we shot it in Louisiana, um, literally the, the day I arrived was the, the day I I got sent the script. Um, <laughs> and and and, and, and yeah, no, it was it was. Yeah. I was and um, but anyway, so I thought, fuck it, I'll shoot it. And, yeah, because uh, don't you say if you said no, they'd have just gone, oh well, we'll get someone else. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. No, exactly. So, so I thought, you know. If I die tomorrow, you know, I'll, I'll, I can at least say I've made a Hollywood film. Mm-hmm. So basically, we shot it. You know, shooting was actually fine. Um, I we then were in, in New Orleans for five months editing. Um, that process was fine um, until at some point we had a test screening, and 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 then things started kind of. We we that we we then reacted to the test screening, and and we well the the short story is we locked picture, and and the film was I thought it was okay. Um, but I, I didn't think it was that good. But and and I th- I felt it could have been better. Mm. But but given how things could have been, I was like, you know what, I'll make peace with the fact that it's okay. Um, but then but then at some point, even though we finished the film, um, li- literally locked at Sandwich and everything, um, th- th- then Fra- Frank decided to recut it. Oh, um, and Shit. and so so which which even then I was like, well, without me and without the original editor. Um, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're back in England. I'm back in England. Yeah, yeah. So this, this is exactly it. And I'm kind of like going, "Are you fucking crazy?" Mm. Um, But you know, there's you know, there's nothing I can do as 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 a director. No, there isn't. Yeah, Um, you don't own the rights. You were just hired hand in a sense. No, 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 no. So, So again, I I was like, well. Maybe it can, you know. Maybe it will get better. Maybe, maybe some, some editors will come and, you know, make some sense out of what what didn't make so much sense. Um, in the end, that, that so they they recut it, and it was it went from maybe a kind of, you know, a, a kind of five out of ten to, in my opinion, a, about a three out of ten. Um, right. Okay. And 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 I, you know, throughout this period, I was I really was thinking, oh my god, I I maybe I've just made a big mistake. Maybe I should um, stop filmmaking. Maybe I'll just become a novelist, um, especially because I write. Yeah. And then, luckily, as it would happen, everyone else thought the film was appalling, and and, and no one bought it. Um, so in the in the end, I have to say, Frank, to his credit, said, you know what, you know, 
we fucked up. But if Simon wants to recut it, then you know he can do whatever he wants with it. Wow, I didn't yeah. expect that to happen. No, no, no. So, so, so that was literally that was a year later, um, pretty much. Um, Shit. Well, that that was eight months after after I think pretty much locking picture, and and it was. And, and so you went, yeah, I'll do it. Give me this fee, and then you just handed in the other version. <laughs> well, yeah, well, no. So, no, so, no. so basically, you know, I was like, okay, and and then and then it took literally almost another year to do it because it took us about six months to actually get the footage for various reasons. So ah. so so the whole thing essentially took four pretty much four years. And 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 then say so I I re-edited it with and again because I was friends with the editor, mm-hmm. uh, you know he he very 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 generous did it. You know we we had to send him to L.A. to actually pick up the footage because no one in L.A. knew what it was or where it was, and oh, it was Jesus. just it was just a catalog of you know just craziness really. And because your now heart isn't fully invested, you're kind of like okay, no. well I'd rather get a better film that I've made out than yeah. not. So you're just in that oh but yeah yeah but but you know i was like you know what you know i i, th- I think this film can be okay um mm-hmm. so part of me was like you know uh, uh, you know some we'll, we'll salvage it to a point yeah um and then so we you know we did and and um and then the craziest thing happened we, we got into south by southwest um <laughs> and 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 you know paradigm were, were selling it and and you know they were going like oh my god well and, and i was literally you know when being in the kitchen and getting a, i think a text from my manager saying we're in because we, we knew we were down to the last few and and i think you know we we're on the cusp and and yes. you know there, there's usually you know a bit of politics here and there that go mm-hmm. on with these things and and yeah i've got the text i was like oh my and, and it was just like it was like it was one of those most amazing moments because this this four, yeah. four years well three at that point three and a half years of of just saying this could be better, this could be better, this mm-hmm. could be better. No one listening to me at all, um, and then finally being given the complete creative freedom and making it better to the point that we got into you know mm-hmm. probably well the second largest festival in in America was was like amazing. Um, it, it must have been, and Frank Mancuso Jr. must have been really pleased. He, right? he, in he, the he, end, he, he was. You know, I mean, we 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 remained friends throughout the whole process. You oh, know, he's good. inevitably got a bit, you know, terse at times. But you know, he's 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 a he's you know he's a good man at heart. And and um, you know, I I don't think many producers would have just said, you know what, just do what you want. No, they wouldn't. So I I you know I I really appreciate him doing that and, and respect him for doing that because I don't think it was an easy thing for him to do. And, 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 and whilst I would say that he, you know, he made creative, you know, mistakes throughout the whole process, he, he still did what he thought was, was best kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, no, so he was, you know, so everyone was happy and we went to South by Southwest where again, it, it got a kind of, you know, it got a mixed reaction. Um, and, and I, I don't think it was helped by the fact that it's essentially an anti, Anti-corporal punishment film mm-hmm. set in, in, in Texas, which is one of the, the, the key, you know, it's corporate punishment, you know, indeed. gun capitals of the world. Yeah. But then again, you know, we, we played a, a, around Europe. We did Fright Fest where it went down amazingly way better. It, it's almost like it was a different film, the reaction. Right. So it's so, it's so bizarre. And, and so you know, bizarre, isn't it? Uh, yeah. And I think in Croatia, we got like the runner-up audience award for best film and, and, and same in, um, in Estonia, so it was just a bizarre experience. Bizarre throughout. Bizarre. And what what could you tell filmmakers out there, other filmmakers out there, what you learned from that experience to hopefully not have other people go through that? I I, I mean, don't you know? I, I mean, I don't think there's anything I can tell really because producers mm-hmm. are their own beasts, and and yeah. well, well, apart from produce your own film. Which which I've I've generally done, but then you know I I can produce my own films to a certain level, but I I certainly couldn't have you know got the budget that let's say that that was for Johnny Frank Garrett because right. I don't have you know those connections really. Um, so you know if you don't produce your film, you're always going to be open open to that, and I think you know no matter whether you're completely unknown whether you're you know in the middle like me or whether you're you know you know at the top end of of, of your game you know there's always going to be a, a studio who's you know who's doesn't really care about you know your thoughts they, they're just doing what they think's best so yes. i yeah. think it's an and it's a sad inevitability of of the process and i, I guess you know you've just got to do as much as you can to um you know hope hope that that people trust you and believe you and and and, and, yeah, and see your vision and yeah just go with it and and, and, the, and the other thing really you know something with frank that you know i i was always like well look you know you're the producer you know if if if, if you want me to do this then in, in the edit suite then we'll, we'll do it so you know we had a few arguments and stuff but in, in the end you know generally he won 
Because <laughs> yeah, um, he's, the he's producer. the producer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah so, and 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 you know, so so going into that kind of project, I you know, I went in with my eyes open. It wasn't like mm. I, I I didn't know this might happen. So okay, so I kind of you know, I, I'd say just be aware that the, these things can happen, and and you've got to be you know play a very long political game to okay. to, to and 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 try and work with these people to protect your vision as much as as um as much you as, know, you, can. as you can. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then you 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 came back to sort of indie filmmaking with fashion. Easter. Crowhurst was actually first. Was Crowhurst first? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. so how did Crowhurst come about? Well, so so Crowhurst came from again, I was in Cannes and and as I got an email from Mike Riley, who I mentioned earlier on, mm-hmm. who's someone I've been friends with since the nineteen nineties and you know, we hadn't even spoke for like ten years or something. I literally got a random email from him saying, you know, what are you doing this summer? Um <laughs> And I said, you know, depends who's asking. And he said, well, would you be interested in making this film? And and that was Crowhurst. And and at the time, partly because of the the, the experience that I just had on um, Johnny Frank Garrett, I I um ultimately turned it down. And and I also turned it down because the, the, literally the night before, I had another producer say, um, actually, we love one of your other scripts. We're going to finance it for you. Wow. Okay. And because it was a script that I'd written, I was like, okay, oh, I great. Keep control. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah at least yeah, a little yeah. bit. Yeah. 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 So, um, so I ultimately turned Chris down, um, which of course I was kicking myself about later on because the financier who said that he would finance the other film, it didn't quite work out. Mm-hmm. And, and then I think the mercy, what, well, what became the mercy was announced in January 2015. The Colin Firth film. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. About um, the same. Exactly yeah, and, and I again, I was kicking myself even more, and you know, and and then then in, in I think end of January, I, I got an email from or beginning of February from Mike saying, if you're still up for this, we have a green light. The only problem is the budget has been cut in in by about seventy percent. Shit, seventy. No, it's huge. Yeah, yeah. So so I was like, well, if if, if I can rewrite the script to make it work in that budget, then mm-hmm. sure. Because um, it was written originally by Andy Briggs, yes. who's been on the podcast talking about screenwriting. If you yep. do want to hear about that screenwriting, which is fantastic, talks about all the projects he's worked on in the past. That is episode thirteen. Yeah. Um, and at this Crowhurst, it's uh, say 1968. Just so people know, it's about an inexperienced sailor who enters a round-the-world race, which he fears he won't be able to complete yet alone. Win. In order to save his dignity, he decides to cheat to come last. But things don't go according to plan. Yeah. Um, it, it stars uh, Justin Salinger, who's amazing, isn't he? As he's, he's fantastic, yeah. Amy Loughton, Simon Armstrong, uh, and it's obviously produced by Michael Riley, who you mentioned. Um, this must have been really difficult to film. You're filming on a boat a lot of the time. Yeah. Talk me through how you'd even go, okay, how are we going to do this? It's a small boat. How are we going to get a crew on here and, yeah, and, and make yeah, this yeah. work? Andy had written a script which was much, essentially bigger, and was much more about sailing and and, and, the, and the storms and, and all that kind of stuff. Initially, when we first started talking, we were going to film it in in, in, a, in, a, in a tank in Malta or South Africa, but mm-hmm. there's no way we could afford that. And at some point, we got Nicholas Rogue on board as, yeah. as, as producer. Okay, so he's on board now, and you're like, okay. We'd... So he's on board, yeah. yeah. And and so Mike would say, let, let, let's, let's try and make a film that, that Nick would make um so i was like okay i'm i'm, I'm all for that you know i took andy's script and, and used that as a structural backbone um and, th- and then re- rewrote it and made it more psychological really which is actually fine for directors to do if they if it's now everything's signed over it's not a problem for directors to go well look i'm just going to rewrite that's kind of part of how it works isn't yeah, it? yeah 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 and you know and, and andy did a great job for, for, for this script at, at that mm-hmm. budget and as as you know he's a great guy and, yeah. and and he he was very excited by by what you know what the script came and, and and what we did and and we've had amazing reviews so you amazing know. reviews like you've really great reviews for this film yeah, yeah. It's, it's a wonderful film it's definitely worth seeing thank you it really yeah, is yeah yeah, yeah. And, and yeah so basically it was more psychological it was more about you know that a man's descent and into madness basically yes. which is what happens you know that you know he 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 at some point, his boat was found not not ruining the ending for everyone, but his boat was found floating in the Atlantic, and his he his body was nowhere to be seen, and mm-hmm. he's never been seen or heard of since. Um, 
but he left these logbooks behind which detailed how he had kind of cheated in the race um yeah so, so it kind of went from there really and, okay. and, and and we shot we shot six days and five or six days in the bristol channel for all the actual stuff on the boat only five or the, six days okay yeah yeah quite a short time there's a lot of stuff on the boat well well, well, well so that's all the exterior oh, boat stuff okay um yeah. and and then we and then we shot for another i think 11 days in the bristol harbor right. with all the stuff in the cabin um, okay. And and the stuff in the cabin is generally more where where you know it, 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 where he goes where it's more performance based, shall we say? In the small space like that, how is it? Obviously, you've got to keep being inventive with the the camera moves and stuff, and yeah, yeah, yeah. keep his performance alive and things that he's got to do. How did you go about doing that? Again, you know, Justin was uh, again another amazing act to work to, to work with, and and um, I, I think lesser actors would have maybe fallen by the wayside or completely flipped out but he was just again absolute trooper and you know never complained once and just you know got on and, and did it really and again you know mike was like i don't know how we're going to do this film really and i was like what do you mean he said well you know because we were going to get a a replica of the boat mm-hmm. um and, and so we we're going to shoot in a, in a in a tank in malta and 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 we couldn't afford either of those. So so and and then he thought we we, we discussed having green screens in mm-hmm. Bristol Harbour or or then dropping the boat in, into a quarry somewhere and and in the end I was like well hang on why don't we just you know shoot it in the cabin and on you know in in out at, out at sea so so which sounds a pretty <laughs> obvious thing to say but and, and, but um, he's like oh really do you think we can do that and i said well i don't see why not mm. um and and so that's that's you know basically what we did and, and was that easy um shooting at sea is kind of everything you hear about shooting at sea kind of <laughs> was yeah. was the case it and it certainly takes a good day to kind of get used to it and we had added problems because we were shooting in bristol channel which is the second most strong current in the world so so we would get to some point we'd be ready ready to shoot you know whatever scene and then then the skipper of the boat was like Got to turn around. Got to turn around. And we're like, "What are you talking about? We're just about to start filming." And we're like, "No, no, but but the, the land over there—it's only five meters, and we'll, we'll crash if, if we." Shit. So, so then we'd have to go. Oh, for God's sake, yeah. then, you know, then spend God's another sake. another hour or half hour going back to where we should should have been, right? And, and then starting the whole thing again. So it really was like, you know, you have no control. Right. Over it. and of course the weather is. I was going to say the weather, the weather with the sun or rain and yeah, the continuity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it was very much thinking on your feet and, and really just adapting to the situation as much as as you possibly can. So, were you in another boat to the side with the crew? Or? Um, so, sometimes yes, sometimes no. So, okay. so you know there is some stuff with Justin on you know close ups of him steering, well steering, you know helming the boat or, or or messing with with shackles or pulling pulling ropes and stuff. So all that we are on the boat but then there was obviously wider shots of, of the boat when we were off of it okay. so a bit bit of both really right. we filmed most of what we needed not all of it but but what what, what i did do is like okay fuck it we're just going to film everything as much as possible so so there's quite a lot of so one of the reasons the film is quite choppy in a way you know, it's, it's a lot of quite short you know mm. short things and quite a lot of visual interjections um and that's partly because we just filmed lots of stuff and and you know may yeah just impro- improvised really you know oh, okay. with him drinking and okay and, and, and flicking and, stuff off the boat is that yeah 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 yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. That, that was one of mike's ideas nice um and and so you know a lot of it's script but a lot of it isn't in the edit then uh, th- then we started making it a bit more linear and thinking more about nicholas rogan because we didn't have such a linear script to follow by that stage it, it became more easier just to put stuff in and, and mess around with it obviously with the mercy coming out at the same time and it being the same distributors. Yeah, Studio Canal. Studio Canal who bought your film because mm. they're releasing The Mercy. How was that for you then when you, you know, with both films? Would, did, um, did that, it that was a big, big shame, basically. The, the whole idea when we started off was to go up against them, you know, and, and, and really just release the film when they released it and, and see what happened. Yeah. Um, because we, we knew that we, we weren't going to be able to make this glossy BBC kind of, you know, beautiful film. And I haven't, I haven't seen The Mercy, but... But, you know, from what I can gather, that's, well, that's what it would be. It's a glossy, well-made, yeah. uh, big production film. BBC film. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. So there's no way we were going to, you know, if, if we try to do that, then we'd have... Yeah, second best. Yeah, 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 yeah People yeah. are going, you're just trying to copy. And yours yeah. is so different. It's just a totally different take on the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but, but in terms of the actual thinking, oh, God. I mean, in one way, you're sort of on the back of their publicity. But was the other side of you thinking, well, Studio Canal could just chuck this on the shelf 
Which is pretty much what they did, to be honest. Okay. You know, we, we, we um, yeah, so, so the idea was to, to go up and, and be released at the same time by another distributor. And we had a few offers and, and they, they, in the end, got. But our, our financier, for for whatever reason, decided that he wanted to to work with Studio Canal. And, and so he, he sold it to them. On the positive side, I think there was something in the contract which said that they had to release the film. Um, theatrically, but between four to six weeks after, no, well, no later than four to six weeks after the Mercy. So, right. so basically, we we got a two screen release. Um, <laughs> Studio Canal that they, they wouldn't do a poster, they wouldn't do a trailer. Oh, um, they 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 had one press screening, which is better than what we thought it would be. Um, Jesus. And yeah, but you know, but but it's kind of weird because in the end, you know, we 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 got we got a lot. We did get a lot of publicity out of it because because mm. of that that treatment of our film, yeah. and, and and so we got we got a half page in in the Sunday t- Telegraph page three. We, we I I got you know there was a big interview in the Guardian. Mm-hmm. Sunday Times wrote something. Hollywood Reporter did a big report about it. Um, Empire did a big interview with us. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the 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 new Statesman when it came out was the only. Mag- well, publication to compare the two films on the release of the Mercy, and they said ours was better. Mm-hmm. So there you, go. you know, so <laughs> and let's talk about Fashionista. Yes, um, very as as quickly or as briefly or as yes. long as we yes. can. Uh, this is about a woman who uses clothes as an emotional crutch. Discovers her life isn't as ideal as she thought. Stars Amanda Fuller, Ethan Embry, Eric Balfour, and Alexandra De Berry. Yeah, the- yeah. Um, Milton Cam, who's one of your regular DOPs. Well, where he's done every film that I've done since 2004. Wow. Every film? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Literally. That's that's really cool. I yeah, like yeah, that yeah, a lot. Yeah. I work with my DOP, Andrew Roger, a lot, mm-hmm. as much as I can when he's not working today. He's obviously doing ITV drama. Yeah. And that's the thing. Sometimes your DPs go off and do other stuff. But with Milton, he's, this is great that you guys have stuck together. You've obviously got a shorthand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's amazing. You know, he's, 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 a, he's a good friend. He's a good mm-hmm. collaborator. It's, 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 yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't frankly want to do a film without him. And, and a couple of times, you know, producers have said, well, do we have to get that guy in from America? And I've, I've basically gone, yes. And, and when people meet him and work with him, they, they understand. But he's just, he's, he, you know, he's amazing, talented. Doesn't doesn't mess around with tons of lights. Um, there's a sublimity, I think, to, to his, his lighting. Um, he's very quick. He's easygoing. Quite quite zen in his own way. And mm-hmm. just yeah yeah, you know, great great to have around. Really, and and yeah, as I said, great friend. That's really good. Yeah, yeah it makes yeah. a big difference, doesn't it, to have a friend who's in your corner when yes. you go and get stuff. When you're on a boat and you're going back and forth to go, no, you need this shot. You yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Bob Portal, he was the producer on this. Yes. How did it come about? Again, is this something you wrote? How did it become this? Is yeah, 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 yeah. Set in America. How did it happen? Um, well, again, this 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 got financed through the same guy who did Red, White, and Blue, and 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 my early films. And again, he had, he again had some some money at the time. I wanted to do something completely different from what I'd done. And and I, at the time, I was I wrote a script about anti-consumerism and someone throwing away all that all that goods. People read it and people were like, "Yeah, it's okay," mm-hmm. um, but but not either a great reaction either way really and I, I very much used to people going wow this is amazing or wow this is pretty rubbish yeah um, and, and because many people get what I do but not everyone does so sure. there's always a few you know naysayers I, I just thought do I really want to spend a lot of time on something that literally no one's really raving about so I thought no I don't really so I, I went back to the drawing board and, and really having this work with Nicholas Rogue was was something that in, inspired me because um, I've always wanted to do a, a film or try at least to do a film in that non-linear fashion that he does. Mm. I, 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 I still thought about the anti-consumerist message uh, such as it is that, that I wanted to get across. And, and I thought about shooting in Austin and there's lots of vintage clothes shops in Austin. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, well, it can be an addiction. And then so I thought, you know, doing a, a drug movie but without drugs. Yeah. Um, and, and all these things kind of came together. And at some point I was like, well, why not? Again, you know, when you're making indie films, it's generally not so easy to get, you know, to, to, to cast. Um, it's it's always a not for struggle because because even if the actors want to do it, there's usually an agent yes. who, who's just being willfully shit. Totally. And, oh, they don't. Well, they want the big payday. They're not interested in you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, so, yes, of course you'll do it. Um, we're just waiting for Spielberg. We're waiting for this next month. Next month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, yeah. exactly. So, so, so certainly. You know, one tries to avoid agents at, at all costs in, in in these kind of situations, um, and go through managers or go through friends of actors. So, so I was like, "Fuck it!" You know, I'm friends with Amanda. She's an amazing actress. Yeah, she's um, great. Great in the movie. 
And so I wrote to her saying, hey, you know, if I write a script for you, would, would you be up for doing it? She said, yeah, of course. So, <laughs> so I, I did, and, and that became Fashionista. Mm -hmm. and, then, and then she'd worked with Ethan on Cheap Thrills, and, and, and I, I knew the well, producer and director, and they both said he was a great guy. So she went to him, and, and he read it. He loved it. And so she kind of, you know, brought him on board in a way, and then he kind of brought Eric Balfour on board. So, so actually, then, then we had actually a really great, a really great cast, cool, yeah, kind of cool, indie, yeah, yeah, indie kind of cast, really, totally. Um, and then, and then again, you know, went back to Austin, worked with the same people, um, you know, worked with with Tim Lee. He he's one of the exec producers. Mm -hmm. Worked with Paul Knaus, who's the, the co-producer I was talking about earlier on. Worked with the same casting director, who's called Karen Holford, who's amazing. Okay, she 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 who she, and she did both Johnny Frank Garrett and she did. Um, um, red, white, blue as well. Right. Um, okay, keep yeah. it in the family, isn't it? If yeah, no, you like working with, work with them. No, yeah. exactly, exactly. And yeah. and and you know, I I wrote to actually role for the the actor who played Johnny Frank Garrett, uh, the, the the Hank character, yeah. who, um, who I thought was great. So um, so yeah, you know, again, we, we went back to Austin, and and had another you know amazing experience in Austin. Okay. Um, and 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 you know, the city has changed and it's been gentrified to a point, but it's still it's still a unique and very cool unusual place yeah. and in terms of the getting access to the, the the shops and the locations that you did was it very much indie film style run and gun we or no it... no well again so our, our guy paul canas the co-producer you know he 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 is a saying you know, he, he's on um location scouting and managing for big big tv stuff so he he did terence malick films um and 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 he's done you know big TV series in in Austin. So pretty much you know Austin is is not a big city, and certainly as someone who does what he does, he knows who's friendly and who isn't. God, and yeah. so so for example, we we shot some a couple of scenes in in a I think it was a Marriott or a Hilton, and 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 he just went there and said, hey look, you know, hey it's me. Um, we you remember me and they're like well yeah of course we do because you, you gave us like fifty thousand dollars yeah f you know f for about th four days filming he said well actually this time i'm back and we've got like you know fifty dollars or, or <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah can you do it for free and they're like well we can't do it for free but yeah we'll do it for you know 250 and our day rate's like ten thousand or whatever right so um okay. we couldn't have done this without without paul couldn't have done it frank without tim mm -hmm. couldn't have done it without karen couldn't, and and then we had a an amazing um costume designer who who Paul brought on board. So again, it was just finding amazing people and working mm -hmm. them and just yeah, you know, it, it's 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 so great when when you get people who you like, who like you, who understand what you're doing mm -hmm. and everyone works together and actually does that. And and it's 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 yeah, it's it's very special. So so again, me and we, me and Bob were there for the second time with Milton our DP and uh, again, much like Red White and Blue, just, I think we all had a fantastic time. Yeah, that sounds great. It sounds great. Yeah. And speaking of once upon a time we'll quickly touch upon that this is dramatizing the violent reign of, of two of london's most notorious gangsters billy the hill and jack spot coma um the who had the sort of the rivalry just before the richardson's basically so it's yes. sort of their um charts the legendary rise and fall of the nationwide criminal empire uh, which lasted until the mid 50s that must have been great to make that's with leo gregory um terry stone obviously um and and Kate Braithwaite, which we talked about. Mm -hmm. Let's just touch upon that a little bit. How was that to to make? Yeah, ama amazing. Again, you know, I, I got brought on board um, at a relatively late stage, and and I again took the script, and it was it was a very solid script, but um, I, I I made it more my own, and again made it more psychological, more about the tension between the two characters. Brought in more female characters, and um, and we shot it last <clears throat> last uh, summer, and. It was a six six week shoot in and around on location in London, okay. and again, you know, I don't know. There's something like 220 scenes, so it's a lot, Jeez. lot, lot of locations, um, and finding locations which which work for the 1930s, 40s, and 50s in in contemporary London is increasingly difficult. Very difficult find those locations. Yeah, that you don't yeah. have to CGI out stuff must be yeah, yeah. tough right yeah yeah but you know but again in, in rewriting the script I set a lot more inside pubs and mm. clubs and stuff so uh, get away it, with stuff you can get away with a lot yeah. more you know so you know you still have to make sure that there aren't any contemporary beer bottles or, or taps on, on the show but mm -hmm. but you know the, the structure of many pubs or enough pubs let's say is still 
as as it was, as you it know, was. fifty, sixty years ago. So so just in, in terms of rewriting the scenes for mm. pubs, that kind of helped a lot. Yeah. Um Is it something you like to do is rewrite sort of put it into your own voice if you like yeah i mean i mean it completely depends you know th- there are some scripts that i've got that, that i'm working on where it's just the, the writers and, and i'm not changing you know i'm i'm advising them yes how, how to you know change Make things better but, but, but they're, they're writing yeah, yeah 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 so it's it's just you know depends on on different projects really okay um oh. so yeah sometimes yes sometimes no some, right, okay uh and did you bring in some of the sort of 70s feel i'll go with that vibe to it the psychedelic look with once upon a time land or did you stick to the gangster well feel no i mean because it's set over well essentially three three decades we wanted it to give it more of an elegant feel to be honest and and i i'd say out of all the films i've done you know Crowhurst is you know ridiculously grainy and mm-hmm. the grade is deliberately mm. all over the place very washed out and different yeah 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 but but that that's obviously intentional and, mm-hmm. and then same with fashionista it's 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 a very kind of almost movie kind of weird kind of you know bright kaleidoscopic kind of sweet like kind of kind of acidic feel mm. um and i i don't think anyone would say either of those films were elegant or stylish you know that 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 they're, they're they have, you know, they're, well, they're kind of stylish and they have character, but to look at, you know, you're not going to go, wow, that's that's pretty beautiful. But I, I'd, I'd like to think, and we'll see what people say, but, you know, and and, and in Crowhurst, we put in a lot of grain, but this film, I think, is just, we, we've given it basically a kind of a, a, a slightly yellowy golden hue. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we've crushed the blacks quite a bit. And I think it's just, it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's um, I think, you know, we, we've gone with a slightly archaic film, but, but more a kind of, a, nostal- a beauty about nostalgia rather than a kind of you know anything else really mm, um okay. and and you know the, the clubs are very dark and dingy but but there's some kind of romanticism about it i think great can't wait to see it it's in post now yeah 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 i mean we should be finishing i mean we've been in post for a while but we're we're very we're you know, we finished the grade, we finished the VFX. Um, I think there's just a couple of music tracks which have to be cleared, and that's okay. that's it basically. Right. So, so that should be out later this year, sometime. I hope so. Something. Yes, yeah, great, yeah. exciting. Yeah. Um, Fashionista, where can people see that now? Um, that has that's now on digital, VOD, Sky, iTunes, um, Hulu, all that kind of stuff. Really mm-hmm. great. All, all this will be in the show notes, by the way. So if you want to see the trailers for all these kind of things, you can watch Fashionista. Uh, there'll be a trailer soon for. Once upon a time in London, I imagine. Uh, yeah, Soon. I mean, okay. Yeah, probably yeah, not, yeah. not for a while. No, I'll put links to all all of Simon's work in uh, the show notes. So do go watch some of these. Go watch his back catalogue. Honestly, he's a great filmmaker. It's definitely worth learning from. Mm. Simon, thank you very much for your no, time. I really appreciate it. Remember why you're doing it, um, guys and girls. If it's for the love, don't get too stressed. If you're doing it because you want to earn money then don't get too stressed. It's filmmaking, although ridiculously hard, is a blessing. Thank you for your time. Thank you for listening. We really do appreciate the Filmmakers Podcast. Sam, where can actually people follow you on social um, media? I, I'm on Twitter. I, I literally started Twitter a, f- a month ago. Um, nice. So I'm Simon underscore Romley on Twitter. Um, I'm on Facebook and, and actually Instagram as well. So actually, against my better judgment, I'm now pretty much on social media. Social media. It's it's <laughs> yeah. kind of, the th- as a filmmaker, it's sort of good for you. It's... It does help. You get yeah, the word out about yeah, your films yeah. and it makes a difference. Yeah. Um, you can follow me at Giles Alderson or you can follow the Filmmakers Podcast at Filmmakers Pod. Remember, get your shout-outs for your indie films, whatever you're doing, screenings, Kickstarters, whatever, and we'll do our best to promote them for you. Thank you very much again for listening. We will see you next Tuesday as always, always on a Tuesday. Simon Rumley, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. was a podcast from the Podfix Network. You can check out more shows like it at podfixnetwork.com.